Heavenly Father, thank you so very much again for this opportunity. Thank you for constantly teaching me and guiding me in the ways in which I should walk to draw closer to you. Father, I ask that you please fill me with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit today, right now, that as I speak, Father, they do not hear Shelby, but they hear the Lord God Almighty. Father, that they don't see the young girl, but they see the creator of the universe standing here, speaking to their hearts today. May we have a wonderful time being able to learn about you and praise you today, Father. This is my wish. This is my desire. In Christ's name, amen. All righty. So there's a lot of people here that weren't here the first Sabbath of the month, right? That's when I was here last. Um, so my name is Shelby Clark. I am a theology major at Southern Adventist University. Uh, wonderful school, beautiful school. I highly recommend it, even though it's pricey. Still a great university nonetheless. So a little fun fact about me is that I worked for It Is Written in 2020. I was a Bible worker for them out in Indiana for the Ignite Indiana campaign. My dad and I were able to work side by side. We went door to door, and we reached countless people before COVID hit. Um, and even after COVID hit, we transitioned from Ignite Indiana to another mission. Uh, we made it online. I don't remember the name of it, though. Is, does Sarah remember? Where's Sarah at? Elder Sarah, I don't see her. Do you remember? Was it Hope Awakens? I, my, that sounds right. Amen. The elders in the house know what's going on. So yeah, we, we transitioned to Hope Awakens, and it was a wonderful time. We reached countless people, even more so because we were able to go online. We even reached people internationally. Uh, I do not remember the amount of baptisms that happened locally for the state of Indiana. Um, I believe we had around 10. Uh, wish we could have gotten more, but sadly COVID um, caused a lot of fear where people stayed home and, and wouldn't receive even the things that were online. But now moving forward, I'm just, I'm so happy to be here with all of you today. It's such an honor to be able to be invited back. That means a lot to me. Um, that means what I spoke last time was not um, wrong. I can't think of the other word because I lack intelligence in the English department, even though it's my one and only language. Well, soon and very soon, Hebrew will be my second language, um, but that's going to take some time. Alrighty, so now I wanted to share a little fun fact with all of you. Um, did you know that the Bible is the only book in the entire world that cross-references itself more than any other book out there? Did you know that? Some of you? Anybody? Did you know that? Okay, some of you know that. Awesome. Okay, another fun fact about me, I, I love being able to to hear from the crowd back, I, I love to get the church members involved because I believe that's what Christ did. We see that biblically. So today in the house of the Lord, if we're here um, in Christ, then I believe that we too should be able to, that, that are comfortable, speak back and answer questions. Don't be afraid. This is what God intended for us to do. All right. So I actually am able to tell you the exact amount of times that the Bible cross-references itself. Do you want that number? It's over 63,000 times. The exact number in 2018 was 63,779 times the Bible quotes itself over and over 
and over again. It seems as if it never ends. And another study this year in 2023, we have found out now that the Bible is continually cross-referencing itself to where it's broke over 65,000 times. This is the only book in the entire world that is able to reference itself to this degree. That must mean that there's something important in there, huh? It keeps repeating itself over and over again. And soon and very soon, in fact, any moment now, I'm going to be able to show you the map that a gentleman, a group of gentlemen, put together to show you how many times the Bible cross-references itself. It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's immaculate. It blew my mind. There we go. Can you... Oh, I don't know if you can see that map. It's not as bright as I had hoped. Okay, can you see it a little bit better? So it, it's kind of like um, if you cut a cake in half and, and you have that half of the oval that's right there and it's filled with all different colors. Anyone that's interested, you can come up and talk to me after and I can show you the exact um, picture on my slide so that you can better see what it is that I'm seeing. So the reason why this has just baffled me, and I had to share this with all of you, is because if one truth was taken away, one truth, one fundamental truth, this whole entire thing would collapse upon itself. If you remove the state of the dead, cross-references disappear. If you remove mercy and grace, the cross-references disappear. And that makes me think of the human body. What happens if the big toes were to be removed from the feet of a person? Does anyone want what, to... What would happen? Yes, it would be very difficult to walk in balance. In fact, you'd probably end up falling. Now, what if we didn't have feet altogether? Wouldn't that be pretty difficult too? Now, what if we were to take away something extremely fundamental to the body, like the spine? Then what? Someone said you would die. Probably. Really, your life would be absolutely miserable. Imagine if we removed grace from the spectrum from the Bible. If we removed every element of grace, there would be nothing for us. There would be no hope. All of the fundamental truths would stand on nothing. Nothing. There would be no foundation, only mere words that meant nothing. The deists would be right. Do any of you know what deism is? What is it, Elder? a hands-off approach, that God made the world, made you, maybe made you special, and then left you and abandoned you, abandoned the entire planet to do as it pleases. But they're wrong because grace and mercy is all throughout the scriptures. God is indeed personal. We have the little big toes to prove it. God cared about you being able to walk straight and walk properly, sadly, Sin does cause issues sometimes, and we suffer the effects of it. But God also gave you something essential. He gave you a heart so that you could live. He gave you lungs so that you could breathe and, again, live. God is indeed personal, and we see it throughout the 65,000 cross-references in the Bible. Now, I wanted to be able to show you guys a cross-reference, and it's found in Daniel chapter 9. 
we're going to go ahead and we're going to start jumping around in the Bible, and I want to show you a cross-reference that's, that's mentioned. And by the way, the sermon title did change. It was supposed to be about eternal fire, but now it is the reconciled. The Lord brought this to me last night and said it needed to change, so we're dealing with a brand new creature, the reconciled. So turn to Daniel chapter 9, please. And let's see here. Verse 24. What verse? Verse 24. I'm going to be reading it from the New American Standard Bible. It's one of my favorites. Uh, so it might not match exactly with some of y'all's translations, but that's okay. The same point is there nonetheless. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24. And it reads, actually, are we there? Do we need more time? If we're there, just, just give me an amen. Oh, okay, we're there. So in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24, it reads, 70 weeks have been, have been decreed for your people and your holy city, and to finish the transgression and to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, we're going to look at the 70 weeks here. 70 weeks have been decreed for who? For God's people. Amen. And we know this is dealing specifically with Daniel and the people of his time. We also know that this is all the way until the time of Christ because of the time prophecy that's given here. So we just read the 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression. And we've established that it is indeed talking about God's people, but specifically it's talking about Daniel and the Jews. It's not talking about Christianity at the time. It's talking about them. Now, who is the one that is desiring to make reconciliation for those who are in iniquity? Any guesses? I promise the verse tells you who. Not Daniel. Daniel can't forgive sins. Oh, I'm hearing Jesus being whispered throughout the crowd. Jesus? Jesus, amen. The most holy, the anointed, Christ the righteous. This is who this vision is speaking about. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, he is the only one that can reconcile sinners onto God. He is the only one that can take sinners and make them righteous. Christ is the only one that can do this amazing deed and this amazing job. Oh, good. Can you see the little lamb? Isn't it cute? It's so cute. That's why I chose it. So now that we know that we're talking about Jesus as the most holy, as the anointed, let's read the first part again, the 70 weeks. Who are they determined for again? For the Jews, for Daniel's people. Amen all the way until Christ's time as well. Now, it's interesting because we're talking about how the Bible cross-references itself. It repeats itself over and over again. So before we, we dive straight into the next cross-reference, I'm going to help set up something here. It says the Bible, the Bible gives us a day for a year principle. How many of you as Seventh-day Adventists believe that to be true? Do any of you know where that's located in the Bible, though, where we get that principle? I'm seeing some head nods. 
I'll give you a hint. It's in the book of Ezekiel. Does anyone know the chapter? It's okay if you don't know the chapter. Oh, somebody knows the chapter. What chapter? Chapter 4. Amen. We have a scholar in the house today. Ezekiel chapter 4 and verse 6. It gives us the day for a year principle when dealing with prophecy. And we can read this if any of you would be comfortable turning to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 4 and verse 6. And it reads, When you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. I have assigned it to you for 40 days, a day for each year. If you read the full context of this chapter, I promise you'll see that there is a prophecy going on. And so now, if we continue with this a day for a year principle, and we do a little bit of math, which I'm not a fan of math, guys. I'm not a fan of math. I've never done good in it. But this math is really simple. God is speaking to his prophet about prophecy, and God gives him the equation to prophetic time. So instead of 70 literal weeks, it would be 70 times 7. Because we have seven days throughout the week. So the 70 weeks times 7. And that gives us how many years? What was that? 490. So 490 years is what Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 is speaking about. Now, isn't that interesting? The 70 times 7. This is where we start connecting the dots. Where else in the Bible is 70 times 7 mentioned? For forgiveness. Amen. Peter asks a question to Jesus, and that question is found in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Let's go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. 22. Give me an amen when you're there, and mercy if you need some more time. Sounds like we need a little bit of mercy, but nobody asked, so I will not grant it. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 22, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? I want to stop right there in verse 21. Peter was being what I call a smarty pants because he took what was true, but he was being aggressive about it. Why would Peter say up to seven times? What was significant to the Jews about the number seven? A little bit louder? Perfection. Okay, we have perfection. We had the Sabbath. So seven was something very significant. It was essential. It was huge to the culture. Seven was perfect. So Peter, being a little smarty pants as I call it, said what? up to seven times, Jesus. But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Isn't that interesting? The Bible is cross-referencing itself. It's, it's building up things here. And what's interesting is that Peter asked this question to Jesus who is the God of reconciliation. 
Isn't this amazing? Peter asked Jesus about reconciliation, and then Jesus points to him, to himself, the God of reconciliation in the Old Testament, specifically from Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24. You know the most holy, the anointed one? Peter, that's me. Even though he didn't say specifically to Peter in that moment that that's him, he gave him a Bible study pointing him to the God of reconciliation. You mess up and God doesn't close the doors after your seventh failure. Instead, Christ dealing with continues to deal with you and work with you until the day you draw your last breath. God is the God of reconciliation. Now, if we continue to look at Daniel, we see that it isn't just determined for the people, but it said it was also for the city. Now, what do you need to have in order to be able to build a city? What do we need? We need building materials, that's true, but before we can build, we need a place to build it on, right? So we need land. Amen. We need land in order to build a city. So oh, isn't this crazy? The Bible talks about how we're supposed to treat the land. Did you know this? You might not have known this because I didn't know this. This is found in Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 4. Again, Leviticus, what chapter? Chapter 25 and verse 4. And it tells us how we're supposed to treat the land. What's interesting is how we're supposed to treat the land is also connected with the Sabbath. Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 4. And I'm going to go ahead and start reading here. And it says, But during the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field nor prune your vineyard. Isn't that interesting? When the Jews were being rebellious, rebelling against God, saying, I know better. You don't have to provide for me. I can provide for myself. We saw that type of attitude in the book of Exodus before they even received land to become a city. But as they were being rebellious against God, they kept breaking the law of God. They weren't keeping it as they were commanded to. Many nations would then begin to attack Israel for at least 490 years. We had the siege of the Babylonians, the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans. If the land was supposed to receive a Sabbath every seventh year, and the Jews can't work the land for around 490 years, then how many Sabbaths would the land receive? Oh, I think I heard the answer. How'd you get there? <laughs> I did say it earlier. So if you take 490 and now you divide it by seven, you get 70. Isn't this interesting? The cross-references, the connections. Some of you might not be seeing it, and that's okay, but I'm beyond excited. I'm getting filled up with joy right now because God isn't just reconciling people unto himself. He's trying to recover the land that the enemy had been damaging and destroying. God doesn't just care about you. He cares about the animals. He cares about the very land that we have been destroying for so long. God is coming to bring reconciliation 
God came to bring rest not only to us, but to his land. And now continuing on the route of reconciliation, turn with me to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians, this is Paul's writings, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. 2 Corinthians, what chapter? 5, amen. And verses 18 through 20. Give me some amens if you're there, please. Oh, wonderful. Okay, let's go ahead and read this. Well, I guess we won't read it all together. Follow along. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So where did Paul just get this verse from? He got this from the Old Testament. We've been reading it. Where did he get this from? Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. The most holy, the anointed one, would come to bring reconciliation. And Paul, through his studies, realized Jesus Christ was the anointed, the most holy. He came and he brought reconciliation through himself. Not only that, but he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It is a gift, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word, the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Isn't this absolutely amazing? God is a God of reconciliation. He wants to make things right again. God wasn't just trying to reconcile his people to himself. He was working to reconcile all things to him once again. That's what Daniel chapter 9 is all about. He came and took dominion back from the prince of this world to give us the freedom to choose, to choose reconciliation or damnation, to choose life everlasting or misery and torment. We know Christ did indeed accomplish this goal of reconciliation because the Father allowed his Son to live again. Jesus rose from that grave. He overcame the devil and now has given us the right to be heirs of salvation, to come boldly to the throne of God. Proudly now we can proclaim because of the sacrifice of Christ that we are heirs of salvation Not because of ourselves, but because of the suffering Savior's sacrifice, for it was sufficient. Isaiah chapter 53, it tells us how we can be partakers of the reconciliation. Titus tells us through whose power we are able to receive the reconciliation. Christ has done this for all of us, but now we have been called to reconcile to one another. Acts chapter 7 and verse 26, I'm going to summarize it to you. It tells us to stop wronging each other, to reconcile with one another. If you are lying to your brother and your sister, stop lying to them. If you are doing wrong unto the brotherhood, stop doing wrong. Seek what is good. Seek what is right. Seek reconciliation. Speak to them. 
while Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 24, reconcile with your brother, and then you yourself go and bring a gift to the one, to your brother. Isn't that interesting? So that means even if you weren't the one that did the wrong, your brother did wrong to you, and you go and you seek them out, and you're saying, hey, we're divided. This isn't of God. Let's work it out. Let's communicate. Let's make things right. Let's reconcile like God has commanded us to do. Let us work it out. After you've been reconciled, even if you were the one in the right and didn't do the wrong, go and humble yourself and bring them a gift. Isn't that interesting? Jesus Christ came down from heaven and said, Father, let me reconcile mankind unto myself. They have done what is wrong and what is evil and what is wicked. They have been deceived by the enemy and believe that we are evil and wicked and that we don't care about them. But let me show them. Let me show them that the enemy was wrong. Let me reconcile them unto ourselves that they may live with a life they can't even begin to imagine. And then after Christ reconciled us unto himself, he gave us something, something profound. He gave us eternal life. He gave us a gift that none of us deserve. Eternal life with God forevermore. It's ours to have if we would just learn to reconcile with God and with fellow man. Now, how many of you today want to take a pledge before God? Today, how many of you want to pledge that you'll strive to learn what it means to be reconciled in Christ. I want that. Does anyone else want that today? Amen. I'm so glad that that is the desire of our hearts today. So with that, with that desire, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for today. Thank you for your Sabbath. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Now, Father, we just ask that you send your Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts today. Teach us of the heavenly reconciliation. Teach us to abide at the feet of Jesus that we may learn to overcome the flesh and have victory over the darkness. Give us the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.